You're listening to the Moving Overseas Podcast, Family Edition, with your host, Louise Rook. Welcome to the Moving Overseas podcast, Family Edition. Officially, this is episode one of the series, and today I've got a lot to talk about. I want to discuss feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of an international move and everything that goes with that, such as that giant to-do list that you're going to have, the unexpected curveballs, preparing your kids for the move, and also the actual leaving part, what to expect from your friends and family. And the emotional side of that last part should not be underestimated by the way. I think the first thing you need to accept and come to terms with once the decision has been made and the wheels are in motion is that this part is likely to be quite stressful. I'm not going to paint a rosy picture and tell you that the organisation is a breeze because it's not. Like any house move, which is up there with one of the most stressful events in a person's life, a move to another country is quite frankly a different ball game because there's so much more to it. But there are ways to make it easier and calmer. And trust me on this, the third time we did it was so much easier compared to the first time. We organised our first international move when I was heavily pregnant and I actually gave birth literally six weeks before we left to Dubai and this was after we had moved out of our house we were living in a temporary home which just happened to be a log cabin on a golf course honestly you couldn't write it so if I can juggle an overseas move in the midst of having a baby then I'm pretty sure most people can do it anytime So let's discuss that big to-do list then. This is the almighty checklist that you need because of the amount of stuff to do before you go. It's really important to make this list a priority because there is no way you'll manage to remember everything without one, especially if it's your first time. And actually making the list in itself is pretty hard because if this is your first time, there's going to be lots of stuff you don't even realise that you need to do that's in your country and the country you're going to. I'm going to help you out with this. I still have my original to-do list, which was on two sheets of lined A4 paper with pink highlighter crossing out all the items as I completed them. It's barely in one piece, but I actually used it as the template for the following two moves. And what I've done using that list and then the subsequent list from the next two moves is to build the perfect almighty checklist, which is now on my website in a downloadable version. If you go to familiesmovingoverseas.com to find it, you'll find it there. I've structured it in a way that prioritises items and puts them in order to help you tackle the tasks in the most useful way and get them checked off as quickly as possible. There is also space in each category to add any specific list items that you might need to add. Obviously, each family is unique. There's going to be certain tasks that are specific to your family. But once you have your checklist in hand, it's already a really good start. You know then what's ahead of you and you can get to work on checking those items off. Now, during the preparing and organising phase, do be prepared for the curveballs. There will be some and they'll spring up completely out of the blue just when you're least expecting them and completely smack you clean in the face. They will make you want to give up, throw in the towel and decide that it's easier to stay put. But you just need to go with the flow because if you freak out, it makes things 10 times as stressful. I think if you just accept going in that there will be curveballs, then when they come, you'll just be able to take a deep breath and hopefully deal with them a little bit better. I want to share a couple of example curveballs that we faced along the way. 
So there we were getting organised for our move to Dubai. This was the first move from the UK to Dubai. My husband had flown over to sign his contract, meet his team. He was going to look for a house, etc, etc. When he got there, his new employer, when he got there, asked him to produce his exam certificates that had been authenticated or verified. Now, this was the first time that these had been mentioned to him. So thank you to the HR department for that. But he wasn't prepared and they told him there and then that without them, in physical form, that they could not offer him his contract. So he had to fly back without confirming the job in writing, which was actually quite scary because we were well into the organising by this point. Everything had been agreed verbally, but it was very on point and we were, you know, we were into the process. Um, so when he got home, he then had to find there is a specific place in the UK where you need to go to get these certificates authenticated. He drove there, he had to make an appointment and then he got them authenticated and verified and then he had to have them them couriered over to Dubai. Now, all of those things, it doesn't sound too much, but they take time. So it was really an extra big to-do item that was frankly time-consuming and a bit of a hassle, but it did get done. The contract got signed and all was well in the end. Thinking of our second move from Dubai to Canada, because there was another curveball here, a very long and unexpected visa delay, which occurred just after we'd already left Dubai. So the new employer was handling the visa application process for us. The plan was for us to come back to the UK for two weeks to be in the country for the final part of the visa process. But when we got back to the UK, having shipped all of our belongings off to Canada by this point, by the way, the company then let us know that a little mistake had been made and that we would actually need to be in the UK for three months before moving over to Canada. And that was quite a shock because everything was arranged around only being there for two weeks. We'd kind of planned to stay with family for those two weeks. Obviously, three months is very different. And it also meant finding schools for the kids because it wasn't a couple of weeks of school. It would have been three months. It was the middle of September. They were due to start their new schools in Canada nice and neatly at the beginning of the new school term. But of course, that went flying out the window. We had to find them a temporary school, sort out uniform, everything that goes with that. One thing that I will say about this is that the kids dealt with this particular issue with no problem whatsoever. They were five years old and nine years old at the time. And I remember feeling extremely proud of them, actually, because they walked into a completely new school with no preparation and they just got on with it. And that is what moving overseas does for your kids. It makes them resilient, adaptable, able to cope with new and unfamiliar circumstances. And that is a great gift for them. But we also had to find an alternative somewhere to stay. My husband had to work Canadian hours from the company's office in London. And so that was something that was totally out of our control. It just happened and there was nothing we could do about it. And that kind of brings me on to focusing on the things that you can control and trying to forget about the things that you can't. And the visa process is one of those things that you cannot control. You can't control how long that will take. There are other sort of red tape official processes that you also can't control. So you need to set them up, let them go on in the background, let them take care of themselves while you focus on the items that you can control. So let's move on and talk about the kids and the impact that the move will have on them and how to manage their thoughts and their expectations about the move because you'll want to avoid them feeling overwhelmed by it too because obviously it's going to be a big deal for them, especially if it's their first time. I'd say less so if they're very little because they don't really understand the enormity of it. But it definitely becomes harder the older they get. 
we found the move to Dubai and also the move to Canada was actually no problem for our kids at all because they were so young and they're very adaptable at that age. I think that having a strong family unit is probably enough. It doesn't matter necessarily where they are as long as the family unit is together and the routines that you've had as a family continue. But I think the move from Canada to the US was actually much harder for my older son. He was then around 11 at the time. He'd made some really good friends in Canada. He was settled in his school. We'd been there two years. We'd all learned to ski and he was absolutely loving that. He was on a football team. He was on a a running team. So leaving for him was really tough. And I don't think we would have left at that time, actually, had we not been forced to. Unfortunately, my husband was made redundant. It was 2015. There was an oil crisis. Lots of people in Calgary lost their jobs who were working in the oil industry at the time. So it was just unfortunate circumstances really that led us to leaving. But for Charlie, my older son, not only was he leaving all of his friends and everything that he loved behind, arriving in the US, he was kind of thrust into middle school, having been at a nice little safe elementary school in Canada. And it was halfway through the first term. He'd had no lead up to it, no orientation or gradual settling in period that you generally get when you're moving up to middle school. In all honesty, I think we had underestimated the gravity of that leap for him and it really took him a while to adapt to life here and make a bunch of new friends. So you need to consider the ages of your kids and definitely the older they get, the harder the move will be on them. I am happy to say that my son is extremely settled now and he loves it here, but it did take a lot more time than it had done on previous moves. So what can you do to prepare your kids and make them excited for the move? talk to them. Just talk to them about the move. Involve them right from the get-go. Don't spring it on them. Make them feel like they're part of the decision-making. Just include them in lots of conversations about the move so that they get excited. And then also discuss any fears or worries that they have, because what might seem like a trivial thing to you could be actually a huge worry for them. We looked at pictures together of where we were going when we moved into Canada. We talked about learning to ski. We showed them pictures of their school and their uniform and also pictures of the house we were planning to rent. And also another thing that we did actually when we moved from Dubai to Canada was we promised them a pet when we got there so that they kind of associated the move with something very exciting. We went to the adoption centre not long after we'd arrived and we adopted a very cute cat who we still have, of course, has travelled with us from Canada to the US. So when it comes to the kids, I think my biggest piece of advice would be to include them. Include, include in the whole process so that they know what's coming next, what to expect, and they can discuss with you anything that they're worried about. I'm interrupting my own podcast to tell you about an upcoming episode where I'll be discussing a multitude of things to consider before you make that big decision to move overseas. If you haven't done an international move before, this will be a bit of an eye-opener for you because there's likely to be lots of things you may not even have realised you need to consider. So tune in, don't miss it, episode two, Things to Consider. Finally, I also want to talk about the leaving your friends and family part. Do not underestimate how hard this part will be. In some ways, I think this was a little bit easier for us, certainly in terms of family, because both sets of parents live over an hour or did live over an hour away from us. So we didn't see them all the time. And we figured with us sort of living abroad that we may actually see more of them in a way since they would come for one or two weeks at a time. So you actually get more quality time than just a snatched Sunday afternoon every few weeks. 
Leaving my sister and her family was tough, though, and I really missed her terribly. Perhaps harder on her, actually. That is something to bear in mind, that it's hard for the family and friends that you're leaving behind because you'll be busy setting up in a new country and you'll have plenty to take your mind off it, whereas nothing changes for them apart from the fact that you're not there anymore. So it is more noticeable, I think, for them. As an aside, my sister and her family ended up following us to Dubai and actually moving over there after a couple of visits to stay with us. They loved it and then they decided to move over themselves. Be prepared for the endless goodbye process that involves meals out with various friends, perhaps a leaving party that some well-intending friends will organise for you or something that you even decide to throw yourself. I'm going to come back to this one because it is something we decided to do in an effort to say goodbye to everyone in one night. But with hindsight, it was not the best idea. Our timing was terrible and actually it was just more stress than it was worth. But I'll come back to that. There's going to be numerous lunches, dinners hosted on your behalf just before you leave and lots of, oh, we must go for a drink before you leave offers. And none of these you'll feel that you have time for. Trust me on this, because those final three weeks before you leave are crazy. And of course, you'll want to go out with your friends and you'll feel guilty for adding it to your to-do list. I know that sounds harsh, even adding it to a to-do list, but you'll be very caught up in the crazy last minute to-dos and nobody will fully understand that. So you're going to end up walking a bit of a tightrope trying to get stuff done whilst trying to please and not offend anyone. Honestly, it's a thing. So my advice would be to start the goodbye drinks and dinners about three to four weeks, even more before you go and try to preempt them as much as you can. And if you do decide to organise a big leaving party, don't do what we did and host it two days before you leave, because I can promise you, you will regret it. So I've got to share our experience of this because we were leaving for Dubai on December 30th and I had given birth on November the 18th. I was so caught up in the newborn craziness that trying to host a party any sooner was kind of out of the question. So we decided that a date between Christmas and New Year, right before we were due to leave, would be the best idea. Unfortunately, that is probably the worst time to invite people to a party because most people have spent the entire month of December partying in the lead up to Christmas and then they've probably got something big planned on New Year's Eve. So the last thing they want to do actually is party on the 28th. But our friends were very spread out as well. So asking them to travel to the party on the 28th after many of them had been travelling over the holidays was also a bit of a no-no. So needless to say, lots of people couldn't make it or pulled out last minute. And we could have both done without the stress of organising it, to be honest, when we were so preoccupied. We had a newborn baby and we were making an international move. So it was just about the last thing that we should have done. But with all that said, the leaving friends and family is one of the hardest parts. And there'll be times when you first arrive in your new country where everything will feel new and unfamiliar and you're going to feel very homesick. And that's when you'll start to miss your family back home terribly. This can be quite a pivotal stage, actually, for some people when those feelings start to take over. So it's really important to recognise when you start to feel like that and really try to resist those feelings. It might reassure you to know that it is perfectly normal to crave the familiar and have sort of feelings of wanting to return home. But just remind yourself why you moved over. And if it helps, write down all of those reasons and try to sort of get excited again about all the things you're going to do in your new country. 
I'd like to share something with you that might be extremely helpful. Moving countries requires meticulous planning and a major checklist. And I've created the ultimate moving overseas checklist, basically from an accumulation of every single task that we as a family completed in order to facilitate three of our international moves. From visa paperwork to selecting a new school to organising the shipping of your belongings, this list will guarantee that you don't forget anything and believe me the first time we moved overseas we forgot a ton of vital steps the checklist is on the website in a fully digital downloadable version for a very small fee so just go to familiesmovingoverseas.com forward slash checklist and you can download it today I'm going to share a very pivotal moment that I experienced of acute homesickness, which literally had me lying on the bed sobbing and asking myself over and over, what had we done? It was probably week two after we'd arrived in Dubai and we'd begun establishing a new routine. My oldest son, Charlie, had started his new school and it was kind of my job in the mornings to get him there because my husband had started a new job. I was driving a rental car in a brand new country with no G maps, obviously, because it was 2008 and uh, yeah, we didn't have G maps then. I also had a newborn who needed to be fed and strapped in the car to come with us. And this particular morning, it had been really difficult to get us all out on time. And if you've ever had a newborn baby, you'll know what that looks like. So I struggled to get the buggy into the boot of the car as well that morning. And I remember hurting myself trying to wedge it in. I then took a wrong turn on the way to school and I found myself on an unfamiliar road with no idea how to get back to the road that I needed. And it was mildly terrifying because I didn't have the safety of sat-nav or anything. I did panic, but I couldn't show it because I didn't want to freak the boys out. Um, I did manage to get back on track. And then we walked Charlie into school where the teacher, who didn't seem to speak very much English and who was extremely abrupt in her manner, then laid into me about something that Charlie was missing from his uniform. And the way that she spoke to me kind of tipped me over the edge, if I'm honest. I wasn't used to it. Her manner was very different to any teacher that I had come across. I hurried back to our temporary apartment, which was full of someone else's furniture because our shipment hadn't arrived yet. I put Freddie, my newborn at the time, down for a nap and then there was just silence. And I sat there just feeling completely alone. No friends to call on. I was thinking about the lovely school that we'd left behind in the UK. All the familiar teachers and the parents that I knew and the kids that he knew. I didn't particularly like the new school that Charlie had started at, the one that we'd picked out. And I lay on the bed and I cried and I cried and I wished in that moment that we had never made the move. All I wanted to do was to go home. But even in that moment, I knew deep down the bigger picture. I knew this part was going to be the hardest. I knew it would get better. And of course it did. So I think when you're having one of those moments and do expect to have one, you've got to stop yourself from focusing on home by maybe planning something, an activity, a meal, a trip, somewhere new in your new country. Plan it for the weekend when you're all going to be off. No one's going to school. No one's going to work. Also, look online for some local meetup groups and pluck up the courage to just join one. Because what's the worst that could happen? 
that was actually what I ended up doing that morning was that I got online and I started looking up mother and baby groups. I needed some friends. I needed to get out of the apartment and I found one and I plucked up the courage. I found the directions of how to get there and I got us into the car and I went and actually I met some great friends almost from the get go. So it's really important that you get out. Obviously, there's FaceTime, there's Skype, there's Zoom. You could spend the whole time talking to friends and family back home. But I really wouldn't rely on that so much that you don't venture out to make new friends because you've got to establish some new friends in your new place. The first few weeks are really important for getting out and becoming familiar and meeting new people. But we're going to cover this more in upcoming episodes. I've touched on certain things that you can do, but I really want to delve deeper into that and help you out. So coming up on the next episode, I'm going to be talking about things to consider when planning a move overseas, how to get the best out of visiting the country that you're moving to for a recce, if you're able to do that. There are important things to consider as well, such as tax, the visa process, renting or buying a property, expenses and how you intend to support yourselves when you're there. And I also want to focus on the experience as the female or the mum of the family, because it can be particularly hard on the female since, sorry guys, but generally the female is the facilitator of the family, making sure that everyone else is okay. And especially if you're not going to be working right away, it can be quite daunting and lonely actually to begin with. So please join me for the next episode. If you hit like and subscribe, the episodes will automatically come to you as soon as they're live. And also you can email me anytime. I love getting your emails. Louise at familiesmovingoverseas.com. Until then. You've been listening to the Moving Overseas podcast, Family Edition with Louise Rook.